The human spirit is my business. Their madness, their passion. The wonderful and monstrous ways they burn out their brief candle. I regret to tell you that very many American lives have been lost. Was heard to shout from the car, he's dead. Whether he referred to President Kennedy or not is not yet known. I am here, in the in-between, to collect their spirits and carry them to what comes next. This road is not on any map. It spans the thresholds between their most forbidden desires and their greatest fears. for in payment is a tale, an accounting of their lives in the great temporary that is the land of the living. These are their stories. This is The Passage. land the end of the line out here the old ways are already dead yet the new ways are not yet born I can still smell the gunpowder <sighs> yeah from the Civil War wafting from the east it came in on the clothes of the men who traveled west. It came on their breath. The blood still caked under their nails. Ooh. Death behind their eyes and their souls disfigured by slaughter. They brought their horror stories with them by horse and wagon. And now by a railway that slithers ever westward like a cold, hungry snake. Ahead of the railroad, they summon the same war machine. Once aimed at each other. With it, they decimate the ancient nations that are here. So they can breed cattle. Until the bloody soil they've stolen. Some have made this journey to find their fortunes, others to escape their past, their identity shifting with each mile they travel farther west. And so this place is barely held together by a delicate balance between hope and fear, power and justice. Here's the cabin. We're early, but our traveling companion will be out in a moment. McCarty, Henry McCarty, 
born out of grit and desperation in the New York slums, but forged into something of a folk hero out here in the Wild West, where the line betwixt the blessed and the damned is so thin as to be transparent. Orphaned as a young man, his is the story of a caged animal who became an escape artist, a survivor who became a killer, who became a legend. Little Henry transformed himself into Billy Bonnie, and then the headlines transformed him into Billy the Kid. It's July 14th, 1881, Fort Sumner, New Mexico Territory, and our next passenger, the most notorious figure in American folklore, is about to die. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans... Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. That, uh, that horse is for me, I reckon. Yeah, it is. Hmm. Goddamn. Where are we headed? Well, that's to be determined. By what? By you. <laughs> huh. Well, what's the arrangement? Ain't you gonna shackle me or nothing? How you expect I won't steal this horse and pull the fob off? Well, you're welcome to try. I'm here to provide you passage to, uh, the next place. What's the price? The truth. <laughs> and just what the hell is that meant to mean? The truth. Yeah. Truth is, I'm here because I got shot. 
How about that? Some bitch finally did it. Old Garrett finally got the jump on me. And that's that. And that's fine. Took him long enough. Now he gets to be famous. <laughs> yeah. Good luck to him. It ain't worth much. Yeah. Truth is, I think I let him. I let him because I'm tired. I'm tired of trying to be something. Something else. Something other than that fairy tale they made me out to be. An outlaw, sure, I am that. But a bloodthirsty murdering bastard? <laughs> That's how they made me out in them papers. Say I killed 21 men. Nah, I don't blame them for writing me as they have. I don't know if anyone believe anything good of me anyway. But there is good. There is good in me. Standing up to the corrupt and greedy bastards that think they got a God-given right to profit off of everything under the sun. Sure, I'm a villain to some. I'm a hero to others. Like those songs they sing down in Mexico. I reckon it all comes down to what side you're on. And who's winning the war. What you get is what you see. The only story I need to hear is your own. There were two men that made me. First man left a hollow in my gut. A great hunger. A hatred that can never be satisfied. The second man left a hollow in my heart. Like a wound that won't heal. The first disappeared, and yet I couldn't get rid of him. The second, I tried to hold on to, but he slipped through my fingers. Like the blood that flowed from the back of his skull the day he died. Each had an equal hand in making me what I am. As Soon as I was born, Daddy left. That right there sets a course. Mama did her best to raise me, kept me in line. But those winters in New York, no heat in the factory, no heat in the room. <laughs> that shit piled up in the courtyards outside. The swine roamed freely and the dead horses were left to rot. We got out somehow and came west while I was still small. It weren't much better, never enough food for us. I used to crank the pump and fill my gut with water to fool myself that I was fed. Mama scrapped. Yeah. She used to slip me the best bits of everything. Need the scraps for herself. But no one could sustain themselves in regard for another. Not forever. Her hands were almost skeletal. She could barely hold the knitting needle. Couldn't grab through the back of the stitch with her forefinger and her thumb, so she used her teeth. That's why the sweater she made had stains from the blood and bile she was coughing up. God, she was so frail. So frail there at the end. Gaunt, pale. <laughs> but she still smiled wide. She managed to finish the sweater before she died. Something to shelter me against all the cold and all the dark in the world. Yeah, well, it didn't. When she died, I made a promise to myself that I'd find my father. It was him, after all, who set us toward ruin. 
No man could call himself a Christian and leave behind a family to fend for themselves. Mama worked her fingers to the bone to keep us alive. She worked so hard it killed her in the end. Now I'm to make him pay. That man who was my father. Full price. And so I set to tracking him down. It didn't take me long. Once I got back to New York, he was a famous drunk, my father. So I canvassed the saloons. About a week into it, I set him to a dirty place down by five points where the Irish were known to drink. And I never laid eyes on the man, but I recognized him immediately. I called out, Pat McCarty. And he turned to me, blurry-eyed and red-faced, all the erstwhile markings of an inveterate drunkenness across his face. It was a moment of confusion in his watery eyes, but the recognition came quick enough. Must have seen himself in me. Must have been like looking in a mirror that erased all the hard years from his face. Henry, he said, using my Christian name. I didn't give him no reply. I just trained my gun at him. Funniest thing happened then. I expected him to cry out, to call God for mercy, to beg for his life. But instead, <laughs> instead he smiled. He smiled like he was pleased that I found him. Like he'd been waiting for it. And I finally arrived and I felt my finger on the cold trigger. And I, and I hesitated. I hesitated. And no sooner did his smile drain from his face, his mustache sank toward the floor. Shame, I didn't think so. He said, because you're not a man. No, you a soft little runt, a sponger. I should have snuffed you out the day you was born. You and your squealing pig brother, the last of the miserable McCarty bloodline, he said. I could have ridded the world of our whole wretched McCarty life for good. And I hesitated too, because I'm not a man neither. Fucking chain, he said. Thing I see is blood. Blood splattered all over whiskey bottles and the pale faces in the assemblage. Blood spilling to the floor like piss. I'd shot him down, right in his chest. Right where his heart was rumored to be. And then he smiled again and whispered his dying words. That's a good lad. I looked at the smoking gun and my hand didn't feel like my own like I was someone else's marionette. And when Daddy dropped, my gaze rested upon my reflection in the mirror behind him, but I had no recognition of it, for I'd never seen myself smiling before. The same cruel smile as my Daddy. And contrary to them storybooks, the first life I took was indeed my Daddy's. I was prepared to face the consequences, too. I was ready to stand trial. God is my witness, tell the truth, and accept my penalty. Hell, I wanted them to come arrest me. I waited. I waited and waited. Nothing happened. Less than nothing. Nobody cared. Nobody came for me. Not the law. Not nobody. And I realized it was all a gag. Really. The law. The courts. And no jail could ever hold me after that. And I never told nobody neither. 
I guess you could say that I wandered after that. Although it'd be a lie if I called it wandering aimless. See, avenging my mother on my father <laughs> didn't exactly release me from the rage that had festered since she withered away. Matter of fact, it grew like the thistleweed. And that cruel smile I inherited became a permanent fixture. See, even though I'd shot my old man dead, I couldn't shake him. Made my way to Graham County, Arizona. <laughs> I didn't go into the cantina with the intention of killing, but Wendy Cahill's had it coming. Sure, sure, I hated the man. He'd fit me for shackles once after I was caught for stealing horses. He was a big, dumb son of a bitch for sure. And he done roughed me up one too many times. He was sour on me ever since I took a week's worth of pay off him in a poker game. So when I waltzed into Atkins and called his bluff again, he went red. He's there, calm and filthy. Call me an urchin. And I tried to stay calm. I did. He says I ain't got no honest money. So I called him a big dumb son of a bitch and he came at me fast. Wendy was the town blacksmith, and his hands were thick and burned and heavy as sledgehammers. Then he threw me to the ground, set out to beat me like a railroad spike. And then he says, Bet your dead mama would be ashamed of what a boy turned out like. Yeah, then it happened. His face seemed to shift, to transform. He smiled at me. And the smile grew and grew until it seemed to reach all the way to his ears. Too many big, blocky, yellow teeth showing. It was an infernal smile. The smile of the devil himself. It was my daddy's smile. I didn't even feel the gun in my hand. Didn't even hear the discharge. Wendy Cale toppled on me, bleeding out. I looked in his dying eyes and his face was his own again, all screwed up in pain. But that's when I heard the voice low in my ear. That's a good lad. Through his lips came spurts of blood and whispered pleas for mercy. Shit, I, I wasn't gonna hurt him no more. I took the first horse I saw and rode like hell, but I couldn't escape it. Every time I had the thought, to play it straight, take my earnings, and try to be honest, I'd hear his voice whisper in my ear. That's a good lot. The gun smoked, the blood flowed, and no law could stop me. What at first was thieving to survive, soon led to my second killing, and my fifth. And soon I quit trying. I gave myself over the devil in me. What the hell is that? Just yonder. In the fog up there. Uh, seems... Seems part flesh. Part shadow. Yeah, are those people? Uh... Yeah, not anymore. Dear Lord, is that Wendy? And uh, who's standing there... That, that tall fellow with black hair. Is that Baker? 
as Baker and Morton and Sheriff Brady. Jesus Christ Almighty, what a pathetic lot. Why are they just standing there like that for? Hey, what you sorry fuckers want out here? Huh? What you waiting for? Go to hell, you sons of bitches. All you dead bastards, you can go to hell. Those bastards. <laughs> of all the men I killed, those bastards had it coming the most. Mr. Tunstall was the second man who made me. John Tunstall. He was my friend. That man took me in from the wilderness. I was like a feral cat, beating on the carry-on and the scraps of the world. The ghost of my father haunt me through the day and torment me in my sleep. To Mr. Tunstall laid his hands on my shoulder. Hell, I stole the man's horses. What'd he do? The man gave me an honest job on his cattle ranch, paid me for my first honest day's work. He taught me reading and words and showed me how to hold a fork and a knife, invited me to sit in his kitchen table to sup. It sounds funny to say, considering my uh, <laughs> reputation. But he civilized me, tamed me. John was the second man who made me. The further I got into John Tonstall's life, the quieter my father's voice was, except at night. But the thing is, he no longer tormented me in my sleep. That face of his no longer wore that knowing smile. With every sleep after hard days honest work, his smile faded more. I was almost free of him. And by and by, my own reflection got rearranged, too. My face softened. And by and by, my cruel smile left me until one day, I recognized myself again. But it couldn't last. John Tunstall was a good man. Hard-working, decent. That makes a man vulnerable. John Tunstall's decency flew in the face of old Lawrence Murphy and his pet snake, James Dolan. They owned the biggest ranch in all the territories. For years, they tried to force John to sell his land, but John wouldn't have it. So Murphy, being the fat goat he is, decided to make life as miserable as possible for Mr. Tunstall. His men got the mischief, tearing down fences, setting the barn alight. I told Mr. Tunstall we're gonna have to sort him out the hard way, but he wouldn't have any of it. He said they settled it in a civilized manner. It happened on the big cattle drive. We was waiting outside the perimeter, me and Mr. Tunstall and the others. Then back to Lincoln, sun was going down. Me and the others rode out ahead to look for dinner. And that's when they rode up on John. Murphy's and Dolan's men, Baker and Morton and the rest. I watched them from up on the ridge. I just, I just couldn't get there in time to save him. I saw Murphy's men leaving the cloud of dust. Sheriff Brady himself among them. It was Jesse Evans who shot John down like a dog. Executed him. Back of the head. When I got to John, he was somehow still alive. Now, bullet hadn't gone through. Must have got stuck in his skull. I cradled his hand and the blood rushed out through the hole in my fingers. He looked at me confused, like 
He didn't know me at first, but then he smiled sort of dreamy-like and said, I'll see you again, Billy. And then he was gone. And then the other voice came to me. I could hear it whispering in my ear. Daddy, telling me to go after those men, to shoot them down. I wasn't going to listen. I was going to do this the civilized way. So I went to Judge Wilson, took some persuading, but he finally constituted me, me and the other regulators. We was deputized by the Lincoln County Justice of the Peace. They gave us warrants and such. So I went out after Sheriff Brady and his posse. We rounded up Baker and Morton down by Blackwater Creek. I told them they's under arrest. And they laughed. I tried to do right despite that. I swear to God, I did. I heard John's voice telling me I was different than the others. But Daddy's voice was in my head louder now. Now I was losing control of my hands again. And the marionette feeling was back in my limbs like I was possessed. I, sh I shook it off. I was hell-bent to do civilized things. See, I repeated myself. I said, they's all under arrest. This time, they did the disservice of ignoring me. Flat out. Like I was nothing. Baker started talking about what he was going to do with Tunster's land. Said they all going to get paid handsomely for their dedication. Said, hell, maybe Murphy would even throw in Miss Tunstall as a bonus prize. <laughs> I told them, best lock they jaws. What you going to do about a kid? Not a goddamn thing, they said. I don't recall what happened after that. I remember hearing Daddy's laugh, though. His drunk and cruel laugh. And as soon as I heard it, I realized. I realized the laugh was coming from my own throat. Bodies of Baker and Morton, face down in the creek, their blood clouding in the water. My pistol smoking in my hand. We was only supposed to arrest them, but the regulators knew just as well. They knew there weren't gonna be no justice. Turning in Tunstall's killers and expecting justice from the very government that ordered his death. It made no goddamn sense. Murphy had all them some bitches in his pocket. The governor. Attorney General, hell yeah, the entire United States government. So I reckon I've done it myself. Justice. But it don't matter. Rich man can kill a thousand men right out in the open. A gun in his hand, a smile on his face. The law won't do nothing to hold him back. But I knew that sort of treatment wouldn't come to a wildcat like me. It don't matter anyhow. Don't matter that what I'd done was called for. And we got Brady after that. Burned him down in the street. And after that, they came for me. Tried to smoke me out and nearly set me on fire. They couldn't get me, though. I dodged their bullets. <laughs> oh, yes. They jails couldn't hold me, neither. But when every function in your living is spent just trying to keep living, <laughs> it grinds you down, sure enough. I became a slave again to my father. Every turn, if there was a choice to do right or do violence, I chose the path of violence. And he goaded me on, always in my ear. That's a good lie. 
If you was in my way, it sure as shit weren't for long. And I went on, thieving and killing. Thieving and killing. Till I felt hollowed out again. Them papers, them papers say I represent everything that's wrong with the world out there. Oh my. I may not be law-abiding, but what good is the law when its only purpose is to fatten the hogs while the rest starve? No, no, no. All my killing, every soul I killed was done above board. I never pulled my gun on no innocent souls. Whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. Who's that? There, up ahead. Another spirit. Yeah, right up ahead. Jesus, it's Bell. Deputy James Bell? No, 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 see, that ain't fair. No, 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 that ain't fair, no. I didn't aim to kill him. No, they was gonna hang me. I had no choice, it was, he, he was the only thing in my way. It was, it was either him or me. I told you not to do it, Bell. I told you if you drew on me, I'd have to kill you. You should have not let your guard down. Any damn fool would have checked them shackles when I come out the shitter, and your gun was right there, boy. Right there, sitting in your shiny new holster. And my hands was free, Bell. Free. I told you. you know, really, it all comes down to you should have left me alone to go to hell on my own, Bell. That ain't on me. You gotta acknowledge the corn on that. You search yourself, you'll see. Bell. Bell. Hey, B Bell. Where'd he go? The way these spirits appear and disappear is unsettling, friend. Poor old Bell. You know, you know, a second before I squeezed the trigger, I saw a look in his eye. That was the look of a frightened little boy. I've often wondered if perhaps that's the look I had when Tun still put his hand on my shoulder. A frightened boy who only wanted to belong to something bigger than himself. Lucky for me, I met Tunstall. And unlucky for Bell that he met me. The fight went out of me after that. Like I, I got shot myself. Truth is, I spotted Sheriff Garrett riding from across the valley to the ranch cabin where I was holed up. And when I seen him coming, first thing I felt, relief and for the first time since John Tunstall died I couldn't hear daddy's voice in my head no more it was it was just quiet and for the first time I saw clear that I had a choice <laughs> well, well I guess you know the rest all the legends the stories about me something wake me out to be a hero or some villain. Or you could argue, I was only there trying to be my true self, to find out who I was, who I was underneath it all. And for a little while, with John Tunstall, I had that. I had that. <laughs> Truth is, there were two versions of myself. 
and every action I took was like a vote for one or the other. The truth is, I seen Garrett coming. I knew it was his long shadow under that door. The truth is, I had the jump on him, not the other way around. But like I said, every action we take in our life is a vote. A vote for who we wish to be. Right then, I had the chance to cast one more ballot. So, I lay my gun down. <laughs> I reckon that's everything I have to say on the matter. We've arrived. Oh, oh yeah. Huh. So, I guess, I guess that door there in the rock, I guess it leads to wherever I'm headed. Where am I headed? Yeah. Well, it's not my place to know. My job is done, see? Only you can walk through that door, Henry. <sighs> Henry, ain't nobody that's called me that in a long time. Well, uh, I, I guess this is where we part ways. So it is. Thank you for your story. Oh, yeah. Thanks for letting me bend your ear. So I, I just, I just open it and walk through. Well, all right. history. And like his country, he was stranded in a oh, wasteland between identities, caught in a struggle to be whole, and driven by a longing for a purpose in a new land. And so there is some of Billy the Kid in every American, each displaced from their ancestral past and each still searching for a, a new identity a renewed sense of belonging, a family, a country. Woven into the fabric of the American psyche is that same hope and the same battle for equality and justice. Yeah, Billy was a flexible container for the imagination of this land to fill with whatever it needed, but beneath it all, yeah, he was just a lost boy. A mere product of the lawlessness of the era. No Robin Hood, no Custer. He's just a kid torn between the slant of two very different men. Just a boy looking for a father and set adrift in the Wild West to cope with his devils the best that he could. His passage now complete. The Passage stars Dan Fogler as the ferryman. This episode features Scott Hayes as Billy the Kid, written by Dan Bush and Nicholas Tikoski. 
Our executive producers are Nicholas Dacoski, Matthew Frederick, and Alexander Williams. First assistant director, script supervisor, and production coordinator, Sarah Klein. Music by Ben Lovett. Additional music by Alexander Rodriguez. Casting by Sunday Bowling Kennedy and Meg Mormon. Editing and sound design by Dan Bush. Dialogue editing and sound mixing by Juan Campos. Additional sound editing by Racket Sound. Our supervising producer is Josh Thane. Created by Dan Bush and Nicholas Tukoski. Produced by Dan Bush. The Passage is a production of iHeartRadio and Psychopia Pictures. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now, this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.